I'm Andrew D'Angelo, and alongside my co-host, Jeremy Ryan, this is Plumbing on the Twelves. Today on Plumbing on the Twelves, we sit down with local 12 business manager, Harry Brett. All right, Harry, before we start with the hard-hitting questions, the thing that I really want to know is, if you had a walk-up song, what would it be? Um, a walk-up song. Yeah. All right, no, I, I like a song called Pure Water by Migos. All right, Pure Water, mark that. Pure Water by Migos. Appropriate, <laughs> you know, but, um, I guess it's Woo! Y'all ain't no one, right? right? Love that on that beat. Let's go! Oh. Woo, woo. No masterpiece. Hey. Ten bad, bad. We have uh, with us today Harry Brett the outgoing business manager for Plumbers and Gas Fitters Local 12 in, in Boston here. And he was just newly appointed by the UA as a special rep for New England. Harry, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Harry, you've held many positions up until this point. Could you tell us a little background about how you got started at Local 12 and how you got to where you are today? Well, I became an apprentice in Local 12 in 1986. And uh, I think that the early association with the school, gonna come out of high school, I wasn't going to college, and I was fortunate enough to, you know, get into the uh, the training program here, but, you know, I was impressed from day one, the commitment to get you to a good trade, and, you know, I knew I wanted to be involved from, from the very beginning, and I did my apprenticeship, and I got out of my time, and you know, went know about volunteering for committees and you know trying to get elected to stuff and you know, kind of the rest is history you've made a huge impact on local 12 harry in the plumbing industry as a whole so what would you say are some of the accomplishments that you're most proud of i would say that as a member of local 12 hopefully one of the things that we've been able to create here is a real you know warm feeling with the membership, it really is a members organization, and you know we've been able to provide you know the support you know that they need, um, whether it's training or and many of the other things that business agents uh, get involved with. Um, but we've also really doubled down on you know some social things that bring local twelve families together, which I think has creates a better bond and you know longer lasting relationships with the members with the members. As far as the industry, I think that um, you know, probably my you know association with the plumbing board. Um, I've always taken the plumbing license very serious. Um, I've been there to make sure that you know we we kept moving forward. You know, licensing is under assault almost on a continuous basis. You know, it, it just by by nature. But, you know, we've worked together over the years. I, I, I'd like to think that Local 12 has been very supportive of the plumbing industry across Massachusetts. And we look at it as, you know, it's got to be good for the industry, you know. And it, we are part of the industry of Massachusetts. We represent the unionized sector. But the plumbing industry in Massachusetts is a small industry. And um, it's important to make sure that, you know, we're trying to work on behalf of everybody. So, Harry, you mentioned that uh, licensing is under attack and, and, and having a strong code in Massachusetts is important. Can you just dive a little bit deeper on that subject? 
Well, I think that, you know, in Massachusetts, we have the, the our own uniform plumbing code, which I'm pretty content with. Um, I think most plumbers are. Uh, but, you know, there's always forces out there that want to limit the extent of licensing. Now, I think pretty confidently anyways, that the plumbing license in Massachusetts really does protect the health of the community in many ways. You know, the, the, the history of the plumbing code was the fact that a child of a Worcester County representative died as a result of what we call a cross connection back in the late 1800s. And he was so incensed that he was the one who, you know, decided to um, take it upon himself to, you know, have the state come up with some laws, which they created chapter 142 and then the Massachusetts plumbing code. Um, that came, you know, years later, but, um, you know, it, we do protect the health of health of the citizens of the Commonwealth. So it's, it's an important license when you get it. And I think I share the sentiment of every plumber and apprentice in the industry that, you know, we're proud to have it. And we, you know, you do a lot of education in this industry and you know, I think the general public is better for it. Harry, there was an, a study that came out November 13th about excessive licensing hurts state economies, reduces tax revenue. On the topic of licensing, do you think you could address what you would say to someone who points to that study? Well, I haven't read the whole stuff, but you know, it's just another uh, publication from, you know, there's always a, a group of people in the country that think there shouldn't be any licenses, you know, they, they shouldn't even have a driver's license, you know, I mean, it just doesn't make any sense, but you know, it has more to do with certain people making more profit than other people. You know, in Massachusetts, I think it's important for everybody to know that, you know, contractors don't pay for licensing fees. You know, the plumbers in the industry pay for their own licensing fees. So, you know, I guess if you want to be in the plumbing industry, you have to fork over the money for your license. You know, it's not the burden of a contractor or an employer or a general contractor. Um, I think they try to make the case that, you know, licensing probably is an inhibitor to people getting into the industry, but in the plumbers union, we don't have any, we don't ever see that. And as you know, um, you know we have maybe 40 positions open for, for plumbing apprentices and we get 600 applicants. I, I mean, it, there's no shortage of workers in Massachusetts. There might be a shortage of uh, people that wanna pay people to be in this industry, but they probably just really deserve, which is you know some health insurance and some retirement. Hey, when we're when we're talking about licensing fees, just for our listeners, how much is a license in Massachusetts? How much does that actually cost? I believe, I think a journeyman's license is probably sixty-five dollars, and um, uh, for renewal and a master plumbers is probably eighty bucks or something. You know, so so we're talking like like uh, forty minutes of wages. You know, one hundred twenty bucks or something. Yeah, yeah. And I carry two licenses, but yeah, it's. You know, once again, I mean, we're trying to we're trying to move a drain cleaning bill forward, and one of the arguments at the committee hearing at the state house against it was, this was like you know, a, a big burden by having people get licenses and everything else, and you know, I don't, I respectfully disagree. I think that you know, the workers in the industry have the license, but also more importantly, that the state plumbing board, who's in charge of promulgating rules and regulations, you know, will set some standards in the industry like we have in the plumbing industry. So, Harry, backtracking a little bit, you mentioned that the catalyst for the Massachusetts State Uniform Plumbing Code was someone getting sick, right? right. 
So it's interesting, you know, we were at the uh, PHCC conference in Indianapolis. You were out there with us, and uh, I took a class on Legionnaire's disease. And there were all these instances in 2018, 2019 of people getting sick across the country. And uh, I can't remember in my lifetime the last person that got sick from drinking water supply out of their faucet or anything of that nature. And there's, there haven't been any plumbing issues in terms of health risks with Massachusetts. Do you think that speaks to the code? Absolutely, it does. Although, you know, full disclosure, I was just made aware in the past month there was a, a case of Legionnaires at an apartment complex in Salem. But I will say, you know, I did a very unscientific study that in the past three or four years, there's been about 50 cases of Legionnaires in the country with probably 25 or 26 directly related to drinking water. And I think that the materials and the methods that plumbers learn in Massachusetts through their training does a lot to curtail the instances uh, of Legionnaires happening. You know, people are made aware of, you know, temperatures and proper water sizing. We think that materials are playing a factor. Like I said, we just had one up in Salem, Massachusetts. I haven't really dug into it, but there was a really kind of troubling one up in Hampton Beach a year ago that in, in New Hampshire now, totally different kind of set of codes, but uh, very, a, really a remarkable case because not only was it involving a hot tub, but it got into the shower heads and the, and the aerators and the sinks, but it can be a problem. I mean, Legionella, as you know, is a natural element that is in water, but it's what happens, you know, under water, under certain conditions that, you know, Legionnaires can happen. I mean, one of the things that brought it to my attention was I, I attended a conference where, you know, there was random cases of Legionnaires in New York City and, um, you know, the, the best they could do to kind of put their finger on it was contaminated water and coolant towers. So, you know, every now and then people in the summertime, it's a hot summer day, you walk down the street, you feel a little mist of water come across your face. Well, that's probably water that blew off the roof of a building could be contaminated. So they have sporadic outbreaks that really don't have any rhyme or reason, you know. So water treatment and water quality, but, you know, installation methods really, really make the difference, so. So, Harry, Local 12 has made some tremendous strides towards extending opportunities to women and people of color since you've been the business manager. Could you talk a little bit more about that and those efforts? Well, when I, when I think about um, how we've accomplished some of this, I probably directly relate it to the election of Marty Walsh as mayor. Now, it's just probably more coincidental uh, than anything else that I come on around the same time as as he did, but he was the head of the building trades, and you know they had a, a thing, you know, the building pathways program, and we were always supporters of it, even when it went back to the apprentice preparedness program, which originated from a, a grant from the Big Dig project, believe it or not, and then you know it's had some reiterations over the years, but it made perfect sense, and um, we've been really aggressive in our outreach and um, bringing, you know, bringing people into the fold. You know, it's the right thing to do. Local 12 has over 125 cities and towns in its jurisdiction inside Route 495 from New Hampshire to Rhode Island. So there's a lot of area to cover, but the bulk of the work that, you know, we do in Local 12 is probably in the greater Boston area and the jobs and the careers 
that we provide and the good wages and so forth, I believe, you know, directly help against the onslaught of gentrification that you hear about in neighborhoods because where you have healthy home ownership and you have jobs that can maintain that, it's very hard for, you know, development to come down streets when there's a lot of strong home ownership. And that's important to me. And, you know, we're providing opportunities for, for people that live in the city to be able to survive in a very tough, it's tough. And not just in Boston, every, every city and town is seeing it. High home prices, everything's high, 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 you know. But at least I feel that bringing these folks in or doing what we can has been beneficial not only to them, but also to the, to the local itself. I, I mean, I definitely saw that when I was uh, at Building Pathways myself. Local 12 was always a huge supporter of the efforts, um, both at Pathways and also attending Boston Employment Commission meetings. There was always a Local 12 business agent there uh, ready to take on licensed plumbers uh, for the local. I could add something. You know, every week since I became the business manager, I try to have a little impromptu meeting with the apprentices uh, in school. And, you know, we do a day school program, so I'll get them right after lunch or something. And, you know, I, I talk about these things um, that are, not, you know, that are important to the organization, but, you know, what's important to the contractors and, you know, we, we, need, to, we need to all be on the same page with a lot of things. But in particular, the group that was here last week, when I looked around, we probably had close to 75 apprentices in school, maybe 80. But when I looked around the room, there were at least a dozen women in the in the in the you know the classes that week, and you know that amongst you know people of color, I, I mean the mix of the group was really really impressive, and I told them all they should take a good look around because in my opinion this is what a healthy union looks like. It really, really was very impressive. I want to dive in a little bit to the partnership between the Greater Boston PCA and Local 12. It's a very successful partnership. Both sides have been working together to make sure that the industry uh, is moving in the right direction. Could you talk about the success of this partnership, Harry, and what strategies, since you were business manager and previously business agent, did you see that were employed that helped continue this partnership? I would say that during the the years that I was a business agent, I always had a good relationship with the contractors. As a business agent, you chase a lot of a lot of ghosts. You know, you're trying to get jobs. You know, and I will say, you know, for people that don't know anything about our business, you know, the business agents of a union, you know, the plumbers union, anyways, here in Boston, they probably spend 95 plus percent of their time trying to drum up work for the contractors. So meet a lot of people and chase a lot of leads and you try to make some connections but you know one thing that I think that we've been really really able to accomplish over the past six years is we've developed a really really high level of trust between the leadership of the local and you know the leadership of the contractors association there was a one contractor that my business agents can't call and talk to about any issue but more importantly we recognize that it costs a lot of money to bid a job. And, you know, if you just call up and say, hey, listen, I need you to bid this job, you know, because I talked to some guy who said he'd take a price. I don't uh, begrudge a contractor one bid for scratching his head saying, why are we going to get involved in this? It, it literally would 
cost tens of thousands of dollars sometimes to bid the jobs that we ask them to chase. But I think over the past six years, we've really worked hard not only um, making sure that the jobs that we were pursuing you know, were good prospect jobs, but I think that the contractors see what we're bringing to them to take a look at, and, and they're willing to you know, buckle down and, and, and take a hard look at stuff. Because you know, sometimes it's a matter of just getting them to get a number together to get to somebody that we can even get to a point of negotiation. You know? But I think we've, we've really developed a high level of trust. You know, Harry, I was wondering if you could maybe talk about some of the initiatives that Local 12 and the Contract Association have done together, you know, different areas where our two organizations have really worked together to make a difference in the industry. I think just about everything we've done has been, has been really in, in, you know, um, in conjunction with each other. I mean, uh, before you, um, Kelleher was the director and, uh, we had a great relationship and, you know, he'd have an idea about doing something. We'd have an idea about doing something, but you know, we have the, the labor management cooperative trust where, you know, that really, that committee in itself has really helped us, you know, bridge the formal gap that you would have between labor and management. If we didn't have the LMCT committee, um, you know, it would be a much harder way to get those ideas to work. You know, I mean, one of the things, you know, is the residential agreement, you know, is, and that was something that, believe it or not, that, that the genesis of that thing was, you know, probably, you know, I would say in the mid nineties or something, they, they came to something that kind of looked formal. It was a document, but you know, there was, there wasn't anybody there that, um, really, you know, put any, effort into into getting into that because um you know some of the deltas between us and our competitors were just so outrageous it, you know it, it really really needed some wholesale changes but you know the labor management cooperative trust you know allows us to sit here every month and really double down on those things like the, the plumbers 911 program you know where you know that's something that is funded by the lmct but you know, it provides, it's basically a lead generator for the contractors. And, you know, it benefits the contractor because on the service side, especially residential service, whatever, there's, there's an opportunity to be paid directly at the end of the job. But on the flip side for me, you know, they're hiring more people to do those jobs. So, it, you know, it's a win-win. And, um, you know, we've done a lot of, you know, I think we had, we had a, um, a, a court case one time about, um, you know, it was a code issue that um, we had to, um, you know, hire some experts that would be witnesses and prepare, you know, friend of the, prepare friend of the court briefs and so forth. But whether it's a technical industry issue or a down and dirty, you know, commerce issue, um, you know, really the, that labor management cooperative trust has really done its job in exactly what it was supposed to do. So recently, Harry, you were tapped by the International, the United Association, to be a special rep for New England. Could you talk about what that role will entail moving forward and how you'll be involved in the pipe trades across New England? Um, well, I'm, obviously, I'm very honored to be you know, tapped by General President Mark McManus to become the special rep for New England. And what I will probably be doing is overseeing the interests of the UA across New England. But... It's also very bittersweet because I love this job and I love the membership and, you know, my relationship with the contractors and we've done a lot of 
really, really good stuff the past couple of years. So what I'm hoping to do is I can I can bring some of this, you know, success that we've had here, some of the some of the thinking outside the box and some using some imagination, you know, to help some of the other locals. But my role would be to assist the business managers of the dozen locals across New England and and whatever they need or being an intermediary between my you know, them and the United Association office down in Maryland. Moving forward, Harry, what does Local 12 and the Plum and Contract Association need to do to continue to be successful? I think we need to keep doing what we're doing. And when I say that, not be afraid to take a look at things a little differently than um, we have in the past 130 years. Um, you get very, very easy in this industry. You can become insulated and you don't want to get out of that comfort zone. One of the things that I'm tremendously proud of is the residential division that we have put together here. It's, it's provided a tremendous amount of opportunities, but it's something that I think even the contractors, when we went down this road, uh, thought that we were crazy and it would never work. But, you know, one thing that, that we thought on this side of the table was if we could develop something that contractors were, you know, being successful at, that it would, it would pique the interest of other contractors and they would take a look at it and participate in it. And that, that's kind of what happened. So, you know, they just don't get caught in a box. Don't stop the forward thinking. I mean, just the Contractors Association by increasing their staff and becoming more active as an allegiance with Local 12 on things at the State House and industry issues. I see the GBPCA becoming a stronger organization with Local 12 to get more stuff done for the industry. So just keep moving on. So I want to move away from plumbing, move away from business for a little bit. Can you tell us something that a book that you're reading, a movie that you're going to watch, what's interesting to you outside the plumbing industry right now, Harry? What has your attention? Well, I do like to read. You know, I, I probably read a couple of books a month if I can if I can uh, pull it off. Believe it or not, I I read a book recently called The E Myth Revisited, and I went out to a conference out in Las Vegas about service contracting in the plumbing industry, and the keynote speaker was a guy named Michael Gerba, and the book is very interesting because it's very it's relevant to any craft and any person that thinks about going into business. And what I like about the book is it talks about how if you're a plumber and you say, I am gonna open up a plumbing company, that a lot of times, probably most times, it comes to a crashing halt where the people are discouraged and the thing just doesn't move forward because they didn't really understand their role in the business. And the book really kind of dives into how you're either the technician or the manager or the entrepreneur. But I would say that anybody that has any interest in going into business ought to read that book first because it it can be, it doesn't matter. It could be plumbing, it could be uh, basket weaving. It doesn't matter. It, it's all relative because probably, you know, 80, 90% of the small businesses that, that start in the country, you know, are people that did something for a living that, wanted to do it on their own, but you know, they just don't have the chops or the or they don't think it through the parts of running a company that, that they're not prepared to. And I and I the reason I bring that up now 
is because we spend a lot of time with young members that want to go into business. And I'm going to make sure they all get a copy of that book before they go too far. Well, that's a great recommendation. If this, uh, this gig at the Contractor Association doesn't work out, my second career choice is going to be a basket weaver. So I'll, I'll probably have to read that before I go into basket weaving. So, Harry, one of the things that I've noticed most about Local 12 over the last few years is the incredible organizing efforts here. And it, it's kind of a different culture here in Local 12 than it is at almost any other local union I know of around the country. Can you explain um, a little bit about that organizing culture, how it started, and, and the benefits of doing that? Well, as far as an organizing culture, if you will, that's, that's another thing that I'm very proud of because unions historically, I think, they don't want to move. I looked at, if you're an owner in, in Massachusetts or you know, you're a plumbing shop, Local 12 provides a great service as far as, you know, being your HR department, all right? So if you're, a, if you're a, an owner and you want to concentrate on, you know, getting manpower and just, you know, taking care of the labor force, you know, the, the union uh, health and welfare department will, um, you know, administer all, you know, we administer the health plan and the pension plan and, you know, the other retirement plan. We do all this stuff for them so they don't get bogged down in that. But... Getting back to the to the basics, I've tried to spread a lot of goodwill in the industry that Local 12, you know, is a place to come if you want to prosper, uh, if you want to grow your company. When you look at it at the end of the day, I think we're pretty competitive uh, with stuff. So it was basically opening up the building and shining the light on the good things that the organization does. And the plumbing industry in Massachusetts, isn't, it's, a, it's a small industry once you get to know it. And um, you know people, people know me and there's a, there's a trust that they can pick up the phone and they can actually call the union and ask questions about whether they want to be union or not without some sort of negative reaction, you know, if they, if they said no. I mean, you know, I really want to make sure that people have their eyes wide open when they, when they come in with us. But as far as workers, you know, we provide the best benefit package for plumbers in Massachusetts. And I have a saying, if you're a plumber in Massachusetts, you should be with us. That being said, there's a lot of companies out there, they, their employees are comfortable to stay there. That's, that's, that's fine. But, you know, when you look at maybe, you know, in four or five years, you have 800 new members here. I mean, uh, that's, a, that's a pretty significant number that came this way. That's a huge number. I mean, that's 800 out of... 2,000 actives? Pretty much. Right, that's yeah. maybe 40% of the locals organized in the last few yeah, years. We've, uh, since, since 14, we've, uh, we've doubled the workforce that we have. Harry, can you close it out with maybe a message to our contractors, something you want to leave them on on this podcast? Well, I would just, I would just say to the contractors, um, for my end, will continue to provide to you the workforce that you need to pursue work. But also, one of the things that we've been able to um, really do a lot of over the past six years, not just residential, but commercial service, you know, kind of expanding the, um, you know, kind of the, the market that you're in. You know, we have some, you know, contractors that, you know, they, they do what they like and, you know, they're good at what they do. Um, but, you know, I think that the service 
is king. The service is the the work that keeps on giving, and um, you know to 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 go down and and pursue that um, would be just something I I would suggest for them to look at. But I can tell you, it's it's really been a pleasure for me to work with the contractors that we have, and you know the new contract contractors that we brought along. Um, they're they're a, they're a great group of people, and um, you know. I can't say much else. Just you know, keep on, you know, just keep on doing the work, and um, you know, if they want to do something different, they know that it's only a phone call away here you know, to Local Twelve. Harry Brett, current business manager of Local Twelve, future special rep for New England at the UA. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for everything you've done for Local Twelve and the industry as a whole, and congratulations on your new role and good luck. Great. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. Thank you. That does it for this episode of Plumbing on the Twelves. Thanks for joining us this week. We would love to have your feedback. So shoot us an email at andrew at greaterbostonpca.com or jeremy at greaterbostonpca.com. Plumbing on the Twelves is a co-production of GBPCA Studios and the Greater Boston Plumbing Contracts Association. Recorded at the Greater Boston PCA office in Braintree, Massachusetts. Produced and edited by Jeremy Ryan and me, Andy.